Welcome to Scandal.K12.us. Our Scandal K-12 curriculum is a true crime comedy podcast about bamboozling boards, sneaky superintendents, lame learning products, and teachers who are way too cool for school. This curriculum may contain references and potential descriptions of crimes against minors and the field of education. Listener discretion is always advised. And now it's time for morning announcements. Good morning, Scandal K-12 students, home of the Fighting Rats. Go Rats! Typically, we play a state anthem, but this time, we're going to start a new tradition. In honor of our topic, we will all stand for a rendition of the song, Wheels on the Bus, sung by some of our listeners. Hey! Wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. Wow, thanks, Glee Club. That was uh, a song to remember. A song that will be stuck in your head long after you forget everything you learned during this announcement. Scandal.k12.us students, we have an exciting opportunity today. If you are interested in joining our Glee Club, you can do so from your own state, singing a state anthem or school-related song so that it can be used in future episodes. Just leave us a voicemail with your rendition of a state or school song at 518-945-8553. Again, just leave us a voicemail with your name or the name you want us to use, the state you are calling from or wish to represent, the title of the song, and then sing 10 to 15 seconds of whatever you can or as much as you can. You can find a list of state songs in the show notes at scandalk12us.com forward slash glee. You can also just go on a limb and do something unexpected. Attention students. Attention, students, to celebrate National Literacy Month. Wait, it's actually National All New Year's Calendars or 75% off month, so stock up on calendars or just reuse a calendar from the years 1954, 1943, or 1937, or just splurge on the $3.50 generic calendar that looks like old Windows backgrounds, or go to the discount liquor store and get one for free. Just don't use that one in the classroom, or use it as a backdrop to any of your Zoom classes that you're presenting. Thanks for joining us again. This will be a very educational experience, so sharpen those pencils, put down your laundry list of chores, stop feathering edges in Photoshop, and pay attention, since this is a podcast you have to listen to. If you're like many scandal.k12.us students, you travel or have traveled to school by foot, bus, or have a parent or guardian drive you. Of course, we're talking about school transportation and looking at the hardworking drivers who haul loads of yelling children to and from school. At least this was the case in the before times, but we can assume that when and if COVID comes to an end, students will return to the routine of clogging up commuter traffic in the mornings and afternoons and uh, waiting for buses in freezing weather. We're calling this episode scandal.k12.us forward slash don't let the driver drive the bus. Now, hi, I'm the bus driver. Listen, I've got to leave for a little while, so can you watch things for me until I get back? For those of you without an ECE certificate or who have to remain a certain distance from a library or school for legal reasons, the title of this episode comes from the Randolph Calicott Medal award-winning book. Who was Randall Caldicott? He was an English artist and illustrator of children's books known for, and this is true, Ride a Cock Horse, Come Lasses and Lads, and The Frog He Would Go A-Wooing, which sound like film posters some of us saw in Times Square back in the early 1980s. 
Anyway, this award-winning book is titled Don't Let the Pigeon Ride the Bus. The plot is simple. It's about a bus driver who has to leave, so he asks the reader to not allow the pigeon to drive the bus. According to the Prindle Institute for Ethics, this book gives the reader a dilemma since, quote, a pigeon's bus driving aspirations help us to explore the responsibility to keep promises, persuasion, and the value of punishment. But do not explain to children why a bus driver would leave what we believe to be one or more possibly unruly under 10-year-old children to watch a potentially 70,000-pound bus. Because this book is typically read to unruly children, I'm talking to you, Damien, if you get off the reading rug one more time, you're going to lose your free time. And you don't want to lose free time, do you? Because, Damien, that would make us sad. And we don't want to be sad. A poster on Goodreads.com does ask, quote, Is it good? Question mark, 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 question mark. To which Goodreads user Jabrai responds, quote, Sorry, ma'am, don't know what you mean. Because when did you ever think asking semi-anonymous forums ever resulted in your learning anything valuable? So, in the spirit of this Calicot-winning book, Don't Let the Bus Driver Drive the Bus, let's begin. Hey, kid. Can I drive the bus? Kids can spend a lot of time schlepping to and from school, especially if you don't like the schools close to where you are or you're in some Exerbia, Hellscape, or rural parts of the country where community schools have consolidated long ago. According to Chalkbeat.org, high school students in New York City have an average of 45 minutes to and from school. However, this is typically using the complex network of public transportation such as subways and city buses. While many studies focus on New York City students, we don't all live in New York City, Samantha. This is a very large country with vast areas and terrain and different state and local jurisdictions and very different cities, some of which have very little or no public transportation and others with few dollars to spend shuffling children about. It is hard to get a national average overall, but a 2018 report by the Urban Institute, a research and social policy organization that, quote, opens minds, shapes decisions, and offers solutions, close quote, which certainly doesn't sound like the vaguest mission statement we've ever read, but anyway, it shed some light on the commute times and transportation. Like a lot of studies report, going the distance focused a lot on school choice and what this can do to commute times. You see students when school choice is in the mix, and perhaps not unexpectedly, it results in a higher percentage of students accessing a school by car driven by a member of the household. Also, not surprisingly, younger students travel less than older students, with most students traveling about 20 minutes each way. But this can extend to longer periods of time, to 30 to 40 minutes, especially for high school students. In areas such as Cleveland or Denver, the percentage of students using the school bus is below 20%. While in areas like New Orleans and Indianapolis, the percentage is 30 to almost 50% of students who use the school bus. And in Oakland, which is of course in the Bay Area, a meager 6% of students use the old yellow school bus since we can't expect little John Galt or Dominique Francon to sit on a bus when they can spend that in a car ride doing affirmations and developing influence before getting to school. You see, first you come up with a plan, and then after that... Take over the world and watch them hate. There's no particular national yardstick since regions can differ and a good percentage of American students use a school bus, especially in suburban or rural areas. 
and we are used to the common feature of the yellow school buses lumbering over the roads for 180 days a year. Speaking of the yellow bus, let's look into that stalwart feature of the American landscape. While the first school bus was known as a school hack, they were created more like wagons by a company called Wayne Works. Not Wayne's World, but Wayne's Works. These were made of wood, as you would expect wagons, but by the mid-1920s, the wood and the wagon design was phased out and metal and glass were substituted, and while there were many changes, one thing remained more or less the same. You will have to have your knees pushed against your chin. This, it turns out, is intentional. For the most part, school buses don't have seat belts, especially in the buses you rode in. To compensate for a lack of what is called passive safety restraints, they use something called compartmentalization, which we guess means that you cannot be crushed to death in a vehicle accident because you're already crushed to death. Those of you who are listening who have been on a field trip for more than two hours certainly know this. Also, if you have been on a field trip for more than two hours, you may be entitled to compensation to get new joints and circulation in your feet. Compartmentalization has been changing slowly, but currently only five states in our great and storied land require seat belts. But only New Jersey requires their usage by students, which means you can be crushed to death in compartmentalization and restrained at the same time. Speaking of safety, most of the common features of school buses come as a result of a week-long national conference at Columbia University, a traditionally expensive university, which also may be the only time a week-long conference in education produced anything useful. This is when it was decided that yellow would be the primary color for school buses since it was considered a very easy color to see in morning and evening light when buses are typically on the road, as well as planning on using safety glass and phasing out wood entirely. This was a conference in the 1930s. Over time, other additions and improvements were made. Mirrors were added when students showed that two-thirds of students who were killed outside a school bus were killed by the bus itself. Emergency exits and doors were added in addition to the traditional emergency exit in the back, which is actually a throwback to those school hacks back in the horse and carriage days when back exits were in place to avoid spooking the horses as you rushed riotously out the door to avoid whatever plague was taking place inside. As of 2016, the average age of the school bus in the average lot of the United States is 9.3 years, and in some districts they hang on to them for longer since they are quite expensive. When school buses are retired, some states demand that they are scrapped for parts and melted down, while others allow for resale on a secondary market. If you have been to any working farms, especially in the Northeast, it is not uncommon to see old school buses used as sheds. Also, if you backpacked in Central or South America in the last century, your trip over the Andes Mountains was made way more interesting and uncomfortable by compartmentalization, since in addition to all the new sights, the sounds, the smells, your knees were up against your chin and your backpack was firmly wedged in your crotch. Ah, memories of diesel fumes mixed with the smell of coca leaves and chickens, and of course the sweat of sheer terror since you were in a machine that would not pass the safety inspection in Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Minnesota, Montana, South Carolina, or South Dakota, none of which have safety inspection. You were also rocketing down dirt roads in the middle of the night that were cut into the edge of a cliff hastily built by oil companies or logging conglomerates, neither of which have an historically documented high value on individual human life. 
As with anything related to education, costs are a constant consideration and debate, and this transportation does come at a high cost. In New York State, according to the Citizens Budget Commission, a nonpartisan nonprofit led by tech executives, equity partners, and lawyers, and given one star on Google by Shlom Demaris, a Google reviewer with local guide status, and who also gave the New York County Criminal Court one star. According to the Citizens Budget Commission, New York State spent $21.7 billion in the school year 2011-2012 alone. The recommendations by this organization of Brainiacs for the high cost of school transportation in New York State is to cut transportation funding to force districts to do more with less. We can only imagine if you said to one of these tech executives, trustees, or one of these bankers, why don't you forgo your bonus? It'll make you work harder and smarter next year. Not mentioned explicitly in this particular report, another popular recommendation is to privatize or outsource the transportation function of the district. As intended, privatization or outsourcing is to create competition and reduce costs, make staff no longer district employees, but let them be covered by whatever private company they work for. While many districts who tried this saw initial reduction in cost, in a short time they saw a cost increase, sometimes to higher amounts than before since companies merged or went out of business, and then there was another monopoly. Think, if two companies bid on the same contract and one wins, you're not going to be hanging about the district until the next RFP with your buses, employees, and garage for the next several years. One study drafted by TransPower Group, the largest school transportation management consulting and advisory firm in North America for a district in Missouri, found that outsourcing would see little to no cost reduction since while contractors won't offer a, quote, similar level of retirement and medical insurance programs as the district may offer, the lack of a rich benefit program will cause the contractor to inflate the driver wage to attract and retain drivers. And speaking of drivers, the wage we're talking about was $61 a day or $15 an hour. We're not sure what a typical contractor may inflate the wage to in order to make up for no health care, retirement, or other benefits, maybe $76.50 a day. According to a 2020 report by the Pew Research Center, quote, every school day approximately 4,800,000 buses carry more than 25 million students to and from school and other activities, such as sports, events, and field trips. This is, of course, in the before times. According to Charlie Hood, executive director of the National Association of State Directors of Pupil Transportation Services, trying to fit that one on a business card. While many drivers work for school districts, about a third are employed by private bus companies that contract with districts. Charlie Hood points out that the school buses are, quote, the safest way for children to get to school, much safer than parents driving them, and he noted it's rare to find a school bus driver impaired on duty. According to the website Salary.com, the average hourly pay for a school bus driver today is $17 an hour. And, of course, this varies by location. Glassdoor puts the annual salary for a driver between $28,000 and $50,000 a year, since, remember, each day there are only three to four hours of guaranteed work. Many drivers compensate for this by picking up school field trips, which is why they look so thrilled to be going to all your soccer matches at 5 a.m. on a Sunday. Each shift may be only an hour or an hour and a half in the morning and then another hour, an hour and a half in the evening. This is backed up by the Pew Report in 2020. The report quoted the head of the School Superintendents Association, or ASA, quote, You've got a bus full of kids and they're acting out, screaming and throwing stuff. It's a tough job. You see, you need to be someone willing to do that and do that every day. Someone who likes kids and all of this chaos is going on behind you and you need to drive the bus safely, said Dan Dummerich executive director of ASA, 
the School Superintendents Association with the really weird acronym that doesn't match their name. Now, while the bad news is the low pay and the split shift and the screaming children as you're trying to pay attention to the road, the good news is you can do whatever you want in the hours during the day you're not working, such as drinking your face off, which leads to our first shout-out. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's play Drive the Bus. A bus driver in Gates, New York, the picturesque area where I-490 and I-390 cross paths, was arrested for driving under the influence. According to the Democrat and Chronicle.com, a smash-up of news and clickbait for the greater Rochester area, LaShonda Griffin, 29, was charged with, quote, six counts of endangering the welfare of a child, driving while intoxicated, and multiple counts of violation of Leandra's law for driving under the influence of alcohol with children under the age of 16 in a vehicle. Apparently, after her Friday morning run, Griffin needed a little bit more me-time and passed out on the school bus and missed her second run, which made people suspicious. When parents noticed that not only had their least favorite child not been dropped off at home, they were also missing their favorite child. Frantic parents called the bus company and complained. It seems these frantic calls compelled the employee to go out and find Miss Griffin asleep in her bus and wake her up. And though she was passed out, they still said, wake up, Miss Griffin. Time to drunk drive your afternoon run. Police were tipped off by a sharp-eyed employee at McDonald's who thought it strange that a school bus stopped and a driver and a few children got out into the store and got some food. And from there, she allegedly went on to pick up four more students before police pulled her over and... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This just in, this looks like there's some conflicting information on this story. According to the New York Post, number one in the leader of all the isms, it differs in their account from what we read in the DemocratandChronicle.com. According to the Post, the McDonald's run was actually in the morning and no one at McDonald's called the police. One student later claimed Griffin told the kids, quote, We're gonna stop at McDonald's quick. Don't tell nobody. What the quote-unquote tell was that Miss Griffin was on no shape to drive was that a co-worker did find her passed out in the bus depot, but this was after her morning run. There were no students on the bus and she had missed her second run entirely. While there may be truth in both reports... Whatever the details, all sources agree that she was arrested for DWI since being in a motor vehicle intoxicated, even if that vehicle is not on the road, is still a crime, and being drunk in a school bus on district property is just always a bad look, especially if you're passed out and potentially had kids in the bus when you were even slightly hyphy. That also invokes Leander's Law, also known as the Child Passenger Protection Act, and Miss Griffin can now be charged with a Class E felony punishable by up to four years in prison. Let's look a little into Leander's Law, the Child Passenger Protection Act, since while 35 states have tough punishments for DWIs involving children, this law is particular to New York State. Back in 2009, a driver of a car in New York City with seven children lost control of her 1998 Mercury Sable and flipped over several times on the Henry Hudson Parkway on Manhattan's Upper West Side. While all passengers were injured, sadly, Leandra Rosario, only child of single father Lenny Rosario, was killed in the incident. Investigators discovered that the person at the wheel, a mother to one of the children in the car, was driving so fast the children were yelling and screaming for her to slow down, but she replied, quote, If you think this is bad, wait till we get on the highway. The driver's blood alcohol content was registered as a .13, which is one and a half times the legal limit, according to the New York Post. While the driver was sentenced to 4 to 12 years in jail, the state of New York took it upon itself to make DWI a felony, even if children are not injured, but are just present when drivers are impaired. Remember, mom or dad, parent or guardian, buzzed driving is drunk driving, and this can land you in a lot of trouble in general. But in New York State, it can get you an E felony, punishable by up to four years in prison. 
While a Class E is the quote-unquote lowest level of felony, in addition to potential prison time, job prospects and credit scores will be impacted for years to come. What Leandra's law also allows for is higher felony charges if a child is killed under 15 or even injured. So rather than the 4 to 12 years that driver got for her crime, she could have gotten a mandatory of 25 years or more. When the law was first enacted in 2010, Suffolk County Police made a total arrest of 384 drivers under Leander's Law just in the first five years. And if you think, this is only one of 62 counties in New York State. So it's had quite an impact. According to the Pew Report, in a five-year period since 2015, more than 1,620 school children in 38 states have been placed in harm's way, with 118 drivers from California to Massachusetts operating a school bus while allegedly impaired with a third of drivers impaired by drugs such as opioids and various prescriptions or narcotics, which seems strange since we can't imagine how a busload of 70 screaming, biting, laughing children can make your adventure chasing the dragon that much better. While one-third of arrested drivers were on drugs, the other two-thirds were just pounding tall boys of Coors Light, which is the right beer now, but not when you're driving a busload of 70 screaming, fighting, laughing children. Another issue, again according to the Pew Report, is that, quote, most state education departments, for instance, don't collect information about impaired school bus drivers and instead suggested contacting individual school districts or another state agency, such as law enforcement. Most motor vehicle departments said that they couldn't pull up data showing what actions were taken against school bus drivers or whether commercial licenses for drivers who were impaired were removed because they're unable to track drivers by occupation. Nor could most public safety departments or state police produce information about how many allegedly impaired school bus drivers were arrested or even cited. Quote, we just don't have robust data when it comes to vehicle type when you're arrested for a DUI or DWI, said Washington State Patrol Lieutenant Robert Sharp. No, I never get to do anything. A driver in Victor Central School District, coincidentally also outside the beautiful Rochester, New York, but on the loud and proud I-90 corridor, refused to let children off the bus due to their screaming, biting, laughing, and causing all manner of mayhem. While all of this was filmed by a bus security camera that went straight to the local news, it was edited just to show the driver refusing to drive the bus any further until his charges got seated. In the video, you can see children jumping, yelling, and screaming, when the driver telling the kids that he can't do anything until he's gained control of the children who had somehow freed themselves from the passive restraints that are seat compartmentalization. They were acting out and bouncing around and couldn't possibly know that they were doing a perfect rendition of the food fight in the now kind of cringy 1978 John Belushi film National Lampoon's Animal House. The video also shows that the driver stopped at the entrance of an apartment complex where he had turned the bus off in order to admonish the children and regain order. Some early news reports mentioned that the driver had also cut off the air conditioning, which is generally what happens when you turn a vehicle off. And really, what sort of fancy children are we making today? Fancy, fancy children? Air conditioning in a school bus? A school bus should be hot as Hades, and there's only one fan, and it's pointed at the miserable driver. All the windows just come down three inches, but you're scared to touch them because they're greasy and slimy, and didn't Jimmy stick his gum there? A parent video shows angry parents mobbing the bus, banging on the sides of the doors and demanding their children be let out. One parent appears to be trying to pry the windows open, yelling obscenities at the driver, and hopping and jumping about, screaming, showing exactly how... Nurture, as well as nature, can inform a child's behavior and their life choices. 
With a mob of now freaked out children on the bus and screaming frothy parents outside, the driver finally exited the bus to try to explain to parents that Dante and Mindy had to wait on the bus for the police to arrive, which they did moments later. He continued to hold firm that no one could enter or leave the bus. According to Spectrum Local News Online, no relation to the exorbitant cable provider Spectrum, quote, eventually students were allowed off the bus and they can be seen crying as they were reunited with their parents. To this day, I still don't know what's going on. What happened? Said one parent. You see, it turns out what happened is actually quite simple. This happens any time there's a safety issue. According to schoolbusfleet.com, an industry publication covering all things school transportation, it turns out that any unauthorized stop by school buses are huge no-nos. And, quote, if a bus stops at an unauthorized location, the driver cannot let students exit the bus and parents are not allowed to board the bus. Apparently, the issue on board the bus was so problematic that the bus driver requested additional help from the transportation department before continuing to transport students in addition to calling the police. According to FingerLakesDailyNews.com, with offices on the shores of the Middle Finger Lake, the driver followed district procedure to the T. Case closed. Now, procedure may not have been followed to the letter of the law by the next driver of note. Hey. Can I? Can I drive the bus? Do any of you remember Stephen Slater? He's the flight attendant who, after years of work, announced over the plane's PA system that he'd been abused by passengers long enough, and that was the final straw. He was quitting his job. He then grabbed two beers and exited the plane by deploying the evacuation slide. He slid down it like a boss and marched away across the tarmac. Well, this story isn't quite so cute, but it holds some of the same ideas. Avon Avenue School is an elementary school for children with special needs. The school, located in Newark, New Jersey, ranks 1,278th out of 1,360 schools on SchoolDigger.com, a website created by Clareware LLC, owned and operated by sole proprietor and developer Pete Clare, who, according to his own about page, is pretty sick back in the day with Microsoft Visual Basic 1.0. According to police, after dropping off a few children on the route, the driver got very sick of her job. And rather than completing the route, she drove to her own home in another city with 14 children still on the bus, as well as an attendant, who she told, quote, Handle these kids yourself. According to the Daily Wire, police got calls from parents who had not had their children dropped off, and also there was a report of an abandoned school bus. Strangely, the report of the abandoned school bus and the missing children did not come from the aide inside the bus. According to reports, that person didn't report anything. Maybe their cell phone battery died. It always happens when it's really important. Whatever the case, when police arrived, they took the children to the local precinct to have parents pick them up from there and also went to question the driver, who apparently was driving with a suspended license. It seems that Mercy Transportation Incorporated doesn't do a solid job of screening their drivers since, oh, I mean, what? I mean, the whole job is the license, since you do need a special commercial driver's license with additional endorsements, which means time in class expense for taking class, and hours and hours of training. And in many states, you also need to know CPR, be able to pass an agility test, and score more than 80% on written driver tests. 
According to New Jersey 101.5, the 1010 wins of New Jersey, Newark Public Schools ended their contract with the provider. Newark police have not yet named the driver. One commentator on abcnews.go.com named Onions with Opinions, LLC, said of this whole mess, quote, I can't say I blame her for the frustration. The way we treat school bus drivers in this country is an embarrassment. Here's the deal. We're going to pay you low wage and hold you personally responsible for everything bad that happens on your bus. Plus, you're not allowed to touch the kids or yell at them. And if you write them up, the office will do absolutely nothing about it since we can't deny anyone access to their education. How could anyone work under those conditions? Close quote. To which user Buffalo Yeti replied, quote, Years ago, same thing happened on a bus when I was a kid. Oh, we deserved to be abandoned as we were not behaving at all. Mr. Baker, we are sorry for what happened 50 years ago. Scandal.k12.us students, let's send that last story out to Mr. Baker and what those kids did to him 50 years ago. And with that, we're going to take a very short break and then get back to exploring school transportation. Attention students, attention students, this is the announcement. We'd also like to let everyone know that today is an A-scheduled day running as a B-scheduled day. Sort of like in New York City when an A train runs on the F line, making all F local stops, but still identifies as an A train. Let's get started. What isn't there to like about Valparaiso, a semi-rural area of Indiana a half hour from the zombie apocalypse that is Gary, Indiana? One thing may be the idyllic country lanes that are like most in the Midwest, straight as a rail, flat as a pancake, with no traffic around. It's the perfect place to drive, and the perfect place to learn to drive at any age. That seems to be what former bus driver Jondria DeHaven McPhee must have thought when she gave a few students a very special opportunity. According to abcnews.go.com, which claimed that this article was a five-minute read, but it took us ten minutes to scan it for all the pop-up ads, McAtee was arrested and charged with felony neglect of a dependent, since it turns out that in Indiana, a, quote, person can be charged with neglect of a dependent if a decision places the dependent in a situation that endangers the dependent's life or health, close quote. Oh, you might be asking, what was this crime? Well, Mickatee let several children drive the bus. Yep, we can't let a pigeon drive a bus, but a middle school students, that's okay. Forgetting that she lives in the age of snitches and that middle school students are perhaps the snitchiest demographic of them all, Mickatee was filmed by a student giving driving lessons to other students along her route, and according to media reports, there was a bus full of students as she did this. McAtee was immediately fired by First Student, the private company that operates buses in Porter Township, after the video and the allegations surfaced. This blew up Twitter for about five or ten minutes of fun as the video was posted by user at Casey Weber, who may have been a minor at the time, but that didn't stop a whole litany of mostly male reporters from Fox News to the BBC and Good Morning America from dogpiling on the user's video chat, asking the user for permission to use the video. It seems to be that the primary video source has some contention because user at David Yaseo claims in all caps, Everyone, Casey did not take this video. I have videos that no one has seen yet. To which user at Jesse Harmless replied, quote, 
uh, yeah, how could she? She doesn't even ride our bus, but she's getting hella views and follows from it, so TBH, I think you're all just a little jealous. Whatever the OP of the vid, and no matter the online flame wars or how many creepy reporters are knocking on the Twitter handle of an underage girl, McAtee pleaded guilty for allowing three students to drive the school bus. Emily Shinnepike, Porter County General Assignment Reporter for NWI.com for six months, pointed out in her article that, quote, none of the students who were ages 11, 13, and 17 had the required commercial driver's license required to drive a school bus. Now, it's a little strange. If the reporter was getting 20 cents to 30 cents a word for this information, it would translate to about $4 to $6, um, unless the reporter works for salary, in which case, if they do work for salary, we're not sure why that information needed to be stated explicitly, unless there are 11-year-olds out there with commercial driver's licenses. We can only imagine a show like Doogie Hauser, but unlike the prodigy youngest licensed doctor doing amazing surgical feats in healthcare, the show is about a bus-driving kid who can pass a piss test, knows how to use air brakes, and how this kid dukes it out with lot lizards and unruly passengers, some of whom are his schoolmates. This story does not involve any alcohol or drugs, but it's quite disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Ronald Newsom, 36, was a driver who was mad as hell and couldn't take it anymore. According to the Chicago Tribune, quote, Newsom showed up for work with attitude issues with a manager and was told he would not be allowed to drive that day. After being denied a day's work, Newsom's attitude apparently took a turn for the worse. He went over to his usual bus in the yard, which had a school bus monitor inside, and decided to take that bus for the run, whether he was told to or not. His bus had a bus monitor because his route took care of students with special needs. As he boarded the bus and started it up, the yard manager called the police and told him that Newsom was acting erratically. Staff allegedly tried to prevent him from leaving, but uh, he sort of aimed the bus at them and tried to run them over, according to reports. So certainly when you have a hijacked school bus with a hostage inside of it and that bus is trying to run over employees, it's somewhat of an understatement that he's acting erratically. Apparently, Newsom took the bus on the road and several police cars engaged. This led to a 40-minute chase through many neighborhoods, often at a speed of over 70 miles per hour, which are speeds that we didn't really know that school buses could reach. After careening down the road, crashing into several cars, as well as police cars and striking cars in traffic and just general mayhem, Newsom took a turn on a road that was under construction where the bus was hemmed in. Police bravely surrounded the vehicle, demanding he get out, but the bus driver ignored these demands and, like at the yard, attempted to run the officers over. Unlike his co-workers at the bus depot, these workers were armed with guns, and they fired a number of shots into the bus that he was allegedly accelerating towards them. Officer Millsap said, quote, Anytime you point a bus at an officer and drive it towards an officer or a civilian or anyone else as a deadly weapon and the officer is using appropriate force necessary to terminate his actions. Two of the shots struck Newsom, and he veered off the road and plowed into a house. Officers removed him from the bus, and he was pronounced dead on the scene. Now, Maggie Connolly, the bus monitor and one-time hostage, had a very, very different account. While she said Newsom was threatening people at the bus lot, he wasn't bad enough that he didn't leave the yard to go on his route. Connolly claims that, quote, He went kind of fast out of the lot. We didn't pick up the first three kids, then he picked up one little girl and brought her to school safely. 
and that's when the chase started from Riverdale to Glenwood, Connolly said. According to Connolly, Newsom wasn't careening towards officers, but that, quote, the policeman got out of his car and went right up to him and shot him in the head, she said, which is a very different version, and it sounds more like an extrajudicial execution than a road warrior shootout. While Connolly was terrified during the chase and horrified by what sounds like a execution, she said that she felt sorry for Newsom and believed, quote, he didn't have to die like that. According to the Tribune, Newsom's neighbors said, quote, he was a decent person who lived with his wife and daughter in a two-story house he bought from his mother about five years ago, where he also ran a candy-slash-food store from a large garage. Connolly, that is his former hostage, attended Newsom's funeral, and she planned to work later on in the fall on the same route. Let me drive the bus. While I Kissed a Girl by singer Katy Perry was a popular song from 2008, it should never be an opening line in a story about a bus driver. According to Newsday.com, that is exactly what is allegedly to have happened. According to the Long Island-based tabloid, quote, a 73-year-old bus driver for the Elwood School District turned himself in on Tuesday after an 11-year-old girl accused him of kissing her on the lips after he parked the bus on the side of the road. According to the complaint, the driver, quote, parked the bus a short distance from the girl's home and then sat next to her and grabbed her face and kissed her on the lips multiple times. He then drove the girl home, where she promptly told her mother, who called the police. Now, unfortunately, there isn't much follow-up to the 2009 story to know whether he was convicted other than his wife at the time supported him and he had no prior arrest record. Whatever the case, the incident was enough to have the newspapers publish his name and address, and I know this is really low, but we looked up the house on Zillow, and it's a very cute single-family Cape Cod built in 1955, which has a Zestimate of $458,311. Now, for those of you who are looking to escape the city, we're really sorry to report, but this is currently off-market. If there are any updates to the story or we can uncover additional information, we're sure to bring this up in future update episodes. With about half a million school bus drivers in the United States, the number of those who endanger or are careless with the lives of their passengers are relatively low. However, these low numbers are still high, and the strict laws that punish transgressions are still little consolation for parents who lost or have injured children. Even one fatality is too much. There is no national plan for school transportation. It is a state and district patchwork, and with private companies involved, random drug tests, safety checks, and occasional redesigns of buses typically fail to catch everyone or every issue. Most of these checks, as well as safety additions, are, uh, sadly, often in response to horrific accidents or incidents. School bus drivers do a difficult job. It is not glamorous. The pay is indeed low, but they are a needed part of our educational system and public institutions, even if the ride leaves us a little compartmentalized. Well, it appears that this is your stop. This is the first episode in our new season, and if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review online, since while we appreciate the kind words you wrote in your high school bathroom, online is the new bathroom wall of the future. We would like to thank our listeners, subscribers, our supporters on Patreon. We're getting together our swag and perhaps one day t-shirts or some other random junk for your home office junk drawer. We're going to sell this on a page that'll be called Little Useless Thing Club. We're still working on merchandise, so just keep waiting and checking in. 
We do want to remind you to call our hotline if you're interested in joining our Glee Club. You can do your own state anthem or a song, school-related, of course, for a future episode. Just leave us a voicemail with your rendition of the state song or school song at 518-945-8553. Again, just leave us a voicemail with your name or the name you want us to use if we want credit, the state, and the title of song. And, of course, sing as much as you can, 10 or 15 seconds or more. You can always find that list of state songs if you like to do a state song on the page scandalk12us.com forward slash glee. As always, we thank our sources, primary sources, and soundscape sounds. Credits will be listed on the website scandalk12us.com. Freesound allows us to add a soundscape to all our episodes, keep them in your thoughts and prayers, and perhaps donate to the cause. You can donate money, or you can donate a sound. Remember, tell us and we forget. Teach us, and we remember. Screw us over, and you're on scandal.k12.us. Class dismissed. <laughs>